0: You're listening to RiverCast,
1: brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Won't you pray with me? Father, we are grateful this Christmas season that we can come to you. And Father, that's not something that uh, only could have been done long ago, but it's something that right today, that each one of us where we are can come to you. And when we come to you through your Son, Jesus Father, you hear us, and uh, Lord, what a tremendous privilege that is this Christmas season, and Father, we pray right now that uh, as we open your word that you would speak into our hearts, and Lord, we need to hear a word from you. We've had uh, as a church family and just as a, I guess, a community and as a state with all of the new COVID changes and all of that, Lord, there's been confusion and difficulty, and Father, I pray that you would help us uh, just as best as each one of us know how to be at peace, to lay that aside, and to let you, the God of heaven, to speak into our hearts. Thank you, Father, for this privilege to be with you and to be together today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. It's uh, my privilege to uh, introduce to you our uh, guest preacher this morning. His name is Anthony and Robin Foxworth. To some of you, that will be, or his name's Anthony Foxworth. Robin's not preaching. Robin is married. I realize, you know, when you don't read a script, things sometimes come out funny and you kind of realize like jet lag. <laughs> He's like, I didn't know Robin was preaching. Yeah. Uh, For some of you, you don't need an introduction because Anthony uh, and Robin together planted, God used them to plant this church uh, years and years ago. And so he for years has been telling me, I'm going to come up and see you. We're going to come up and see you. And finally, like COVID released enough and you've really got a good excuse. Your daughter's living in Brooklyn. So, you know, we know where we rank on that that quality. But uh, we are really glad you guys are here. And I've known Anthony for years. He was my pastor for a number of years as I was a part of this church. And uh, probably what, 15 years, something like that. I didn't do the math somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, God called him to be a chaplain in the army. And, and so it's kind of cool. In many ways, he still represents us in God's work or a uh, Amongst our servicemen and service women, and using them there tremendously. And so, we're grateful that you guys could be here. And uh, come up and share, man. I did. He asked, What do you want me to share? I said, Share whatever you want. Stay out of judges. Amen. <laughs> we're done with judges. And stay out of, out of John 5. I said, Stay out of everything else you can do.
0: So, okay. all right, man. Good. Thank you. Well, good morning. And uh, Sean, thank you so much for. Uh, allowing us to allow me to preach, Robin's going to tag team preach, I guess. Um, so I didn't know things had gone that way since I left, but we can do it. Um, and uh, no, we're excited that you're here, that I'm here. And as soon as I say we're coming up, he said, "Hey, you're preaching." This guy puts people to work, okay? Uh, but thanks for the the privilege of opening God's word to you guys today. I would have loved to sat here and just to, under your preaching, but I'm so excited to be with you. And uh, to see a lot of new faces and a lot of old faces uh, who are familiar. Nine years ago today was my last Sunday here at River of Life. It wasn't this date, but this Sunday. Didn't do this on purpose. It's just kind of the farewell tour just happened, you know. And uh, so nine years ago today, we uh, finished. We had a commissioning service in the evening. You guys commissioned us to go as your ambassadors and missionaries to the Army. And and, and we left. And so nine years we've been gone. And uh, right now we live in Fort Benning, Georgia. I served there among soldiers in the Airborne and Ranger Training Brigade. And so people who learn how to jump out of airplanes, I'm their chaplain. So um, I did that one too many times, I got hurt, but that's okay. God is still in charge. So we're excited. Didn't know what to preach. Sean said, preach whatever you want. I don't really like that because I'm just... I got ADD, and so it just goes bad. And so I had a canned message I was going to bring, because what preachers do. I got one, you know, Mary, you know, joy in believing. It'd go well with this series. But God just was like, no, 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 you got something else. Not a Christmas message, but it's a message about unity. It's a message that I think we need to hear. Uh, I didn't really know why, maybe until the last couple of days. Uh, but uh, unity... You know, we, we drove about 1,100 miles up, 1,200 miles, and, and, and the, the trip went great until the, about the 1,100-mile mark. We were, had to swing to Newark. Our daughter lives in Brooklyn. She rode the subway and train over because we, we didn't want to go in the city. Picked her up in Newark and went. And about the time we picked her up, um, d- we were a car of unity, had nothing to do with her, and then disunity happened, okay? Mass hysteria occurred and mutiny was on the brink. All right. You know what happens when you drink a lot on a trip? Your husband doesn't let you stop because he likes to make good good time. And you get hungry, that's where we were at. We had to go to the bathroom and we were hungry. And let me tell you what, the cranky crew happened. And we lost unity. Um, I I, we almost I thought we were gonna lose salvation at one time. Uh, you can't do that, by the way, but if we could, we would have. And so, uh, you know, people you know, do we do we tell people at 7-Eleven about Jesus? Please don't. We wanna don't wanna give him a black eye. So, uh, because we're you know, that is kind of how it went. And, um, you know, from unity to disunity. And often we have disunity because of pressure. We had pressure mounting, stress, discomfort, and a lack of something. Our lack was food. And, but, you know, God desires us to be in unity. His desire for you is unity. His desire for His church, River of Life, and the church uh, universal, the worldwide, is for unity. In fact, He prayed for unity for you. Yeah, for you. He prayed for you that you would be one. One. Can I tell you what? In a world of division, in a world of confusion, in a world that lacks unity, this is a message that the church needs to hear
2: and that we need to live out.
0: In fact, He knew that unity sanctifies, unity proclaims, and unity glorifies. So how does unity make such a difference? How does does unity make a difference in our life and in the life of those around us? If you join me in John chapter 17, starting in verse 20, we're going to see how God desires unity. Unity. This is called the high priestly prayer. Uh, Je- Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's already been with the disciples the, the night before He was betrayed. And now He's coming and He's praying uh, to, to His Father in heaven before He would be betrayed. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane here. Uh, and um, He is praying. He prays originally. I'm going to start in verse 20, but I'll give you a highlight. Uh, He said, I'm praying for those whom you've given me. He's praying immediately for his disciples in verses 6 through 19. And notice, if you have a Bible, notice in verse 7. I'm sorry, in verse 9, he says, I am praying for them, that's his disciples, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. God, Jesus is not praying for the world here, but for his disciples. That's going to that's gonna mean something in a little bit. And he keeps going. And then in verse 20 is where we're going to start in our, our text today. And he says, I do not ask only for these only, for these only, that's the, our disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. You have believed in Jesus through the words of the disciples. I didn't hear from the disciples. You did. The gospel handed down from generation from the disciples to whoever shared the gospel with you has come to you now, and you are the one he's talking about, who has believed through their word that they may be one. I'm going to read it, then we'll kind of we'll walk, and then we'll walk through it. So what's he pray for? He's, this is for you. That they may be, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may become one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. And kind of the capstone of the, of the prayer, O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know you, that's you, that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. You see, right off the bat in verses 20 and 21, believers are in Christ are to be united. If you see in, in verse 20, I do not ask only for these, but also for those who believe in me through the word, that's you, that they may all be one. Be one. That you and I would be one. That the church would be one. That we would be a church united, not a church divided. And I just don't mean church river of life. I mean church. I mean for all those who believe in Jesus, that we would be one. One. We have, um, I'm in the I'm a chaplain in the department of defense. We have over 150 endorsing agents uh, who endorse chaplains. 150. They're not all denominations, uh, but we have a approved over th- a list of over 300 denominations in the DOD. And that's all just all kinds of all kinds of churches, of all kinds of religions. Over 300 in an approved list. That just means they've been vetted at some level. And so we would see that there's seemingly disunity, and the world sees it, there's seemingly disunity among those who call themselves Christian, not just religious, but even Christians. And so, is that to be? Should we be uh, divided? Jesus, as he prayed, says that we should be one. You have believed in Christ through your word, and it's been handed down from generations to generations to generations, the same gospel The gospel that came to you, hear me, the gospel that came to you was going to someone else. You see, God's ascending God. And He sent His Son, who then sent His disciples, who then sent their disciples, where the gospel came to you. Now, God had a a moment in time or a period of time where you would come to believe in Jesus. That's His words, not mine. That you would believe in Jesus that you become a Christian, but the gospel didn't just come to you, it came to you because it was going somewhere else. And that's important, because as we go, we should take the gospel with us, because there's people in our walk that need we may be going to Stewart's, but there's people in our, in our uh, travels that need Jesus. By worldly standards of success, Jesus had little to show for his mission. He had very little followers. Yet Jesus left his earthly work full of confidence in the work of God through the disciples. And so what does he ask? What does he ask for for you and, and, and I? That they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. I'm going to stop right there. All be one. Number one, I, I want you to see in this text that unity sanctifies. Just as you, that in you, that they may be in us. Why? Because it, unity helps sanctify us. God grows us in the midst of unity. Sancti- uh, Sanctified means to be set apart for God's special purpose and use. It implies holiness, being set apart for the, from the corruption of the world for God's use. That's you. Jesus didn't just leave the disciples to sanctify themselves. He prayed for their sanctification. This process, as as a process that keeps going, is not left to us alone. It is the work of God in and through us. And so what did he say? That they may be one in us. So if you and I are one, we are one in God. You see, the relationship is... um, Very much like a marriage, Ephesians 5 talks about this. That a man and woman come and that nothing can separate them. That they may be one. He's he's talking about the church in Ephesians 5. That the church may be one in Christ, but also one together. We are called the bride of Christ. A bride is never divided. But can I tell you today, friends, the church in America is divided. Because the people... In America are divided. But God longs for so much more for His people. God longs so, for so much more for
2: you and I and the
0: Presbyterian church up the road and the Methodist church up the road and the whoever the up the road at the bar right now. He wants so much more for them than you and I could ever imagine. Like sanctification, this oneness, the oneness in God, is simultaneously something already achieved and something that needs perfecting. D.A. Carson said that. So the oneness we have, like sanctification, is simultaneously going on. It's already been achieved in heaven. God knows our outcome. But it's something that needs uh, also perfecting. Look at verse 23, I in them, he says it again, and you in me that they may become perfectly one that they would all be one. Jesus envisioned the great multitude before the throne of God of every nation, of every race, of every language, of every class, of every social level. Jesus prayed that they might rise up above their many differences and background and understand their unity, that they may all be one. One day we will all gather around the throne, all those who believe in Jesus. We will gather around the great throne. We will worship Him forever, saying, Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And we will Bow down and worship forever. We will not go. What are you? What are you? What are you? What are you? Had a friend who came to move here to to be a part of a church. Didn't work out well. But be, on, be honest with you, but he he told this joke with our then Jim Arant who led our church planting. It would. And it was hilarious, Sean, because I'm just looking at Sean. He, he'll, but he told me this, and, and you've heard it, right? He said, people get to heaven and they're being shown around. We're in a car driving to like a conference. You know, people get to heaven, they're being shown around. It's the St. Peter thing. This is not theologically accurate. I'm just giving you a description of the joke. And they're going around. They're like, man, they hear all this praise, and they hear people yelling and running around. Who's that? It's the Pentecostals, charismatics. They're in there. They're, they, are, they are praising God. Hey, come on, come on! What? Is, I smell incense. What's is this? This is the Catholics? Keep it down, you know. He kept going. Uh, uh, he goes in there. Uh, you know, it's the Methodists. They're just all kind of eclectic people. Uh, okay, who's this? And goes to the end of the hallway. There's no end of heaven, but just go with it. He goes to the end of the hallway, and he says, "Shh." He says, it's the Baptist. And they think they're the only ones here. We do. Not Baptist. We all think we have the corner market. We don't. Jesus has the corner market. And in heaven, the corner market is going to be Him, His gospel, and proclaiming His name forever. He wants us to be unified. Now, we are to be faithful to the truth, but we are not to be... uh, this is Spurgeon. Just so you know, this is not my word. Spurgeon has a lot to say about this. We are to be faithful to the truth, but we are not to be conscientious spirit. Separating ourselves from those who are the living members of the one and invisible body of Christ. To promote unity of the church by creating division is not wise. Cultivate at once the love of truth and love the brethren. So why are we not one? Spurgeon, he continues... Sin is a great dividing element. The, perfect, the perfectly holy would be perfectly united. The more saintly men are, the more they love the Lord and one another. And thus they come closer, have a, into closer union with each other. As in the previous prayer for the 11, in verses 6 through 19, Jesus prayed that their unity would follow the pattern of unity of the Godhead, specifically in the relationship between God the Father. And God the Son. If the Father is in Him and He is in them, then the Father is in them. They are drawn into the very life of God. And the life of God is perfect love. You see, Jesus has this repetition in verse 21 and 23. He says basically the same thing. Why? He says it uh, that all future believers that he says it over and over again for all future is very important. It shows the unity among the broader church body of Christ and was very important to Jesus. Jesus, before he was betrayed, he prayed. And what we have is he prayed for you. He didn't say that you'd be a a spiritual saint, which he wants. He didn't. He he later gave the Great Commission. He didn't give it here. He didn't pray that you would go and be the greatest missionary, though that is the core of my heart. But he did pray that you and I would be one. One. By the way, Sean didn't say, "Hey, we got this. We got uh, division in our church." I, he, didn't, he didn't tell me that. We have no. That's not why I'm preaching this. I'm pre- not because of, of Life. I'm preaching it because we are silos on a farm that are scratching at grain as it depletes, and we only have a couple of pieces of grain left. And if we would open up our vats and share that, we could imagine to see how the world could be fed for Jesus Christ. That goes into a spiritual illustration. Fed probably like this, but also I'm talking fed spiritually. Unity sanctifies, it sanctifies. In the same sermon, Spurgeon went on to say this, Beloved, those in whom Christ lives are not uniform. Hear me. They are not uniform, but one. Uniformity may be found in death, but this this unity is in life. Those who are quite uniform may yet have no love for each other, while those who differ widely may still be truly and intensely one. Just because we're different does not mean we can't be one. Our children are not uniform, but they make one family. They make one family. They're still our family. Our kids, though they they go and do their own things, right? Right or wrong, good or bad, they're still our children, and we're still a family, and we're still
2: prayerfully one.
0: You see, God doesn't only want unity in the church, he wants unity in your home. He wants unity this Christmas. But friends, I think at some level, we're almost in a losing battle that when we have disunity in church, it's, the symptom is disunity in our homes. We must believe that this prayer was answered. Jesus prayed it and that the church is one. Hear me. Our failure is in failing to recognize that and walk in that divine revelation. The church is one. We must walk in it and like it. This reminds us of the unity and love among Christians. It is if Jesus gave the world permission to both doubt his mission, and I'll get to that next, and his love if the world does not see unity among the believers. Did you see it in verse 21 and verse 23? that I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 23. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Jesus gave the world permission to doubt his mission and his love if the world does not see unity in the church among believers. He said that. This is difficult. It's difficult for us. Difficult for me. Because sometimes the most unloving and critical among the followers of Jesus directly justify their divisiveness and sharp criticism as love. As in, I only demand that you be exactly as I am because I love you. That's uniformity, not unity. This is difficult because, it is, because sometimes it is true that there must be criticism, correction, and rebuke in the name of Jesus. This is difficult because even as we understand the words of Jesus here, we also understand that there are many, many reasons why people do not believe. But we Christians have the great responsibility to display Jesus to the world through their love, through our love and unity, but often we are too quick to blame one another for an unbelieving world. Unity sanctifies. It changes us. It makes us set apart. It makes us holy. Jesus didn't pray for the world. He prayed for his disciples. Jesus didn't pray for the world. He prayed for you. Why? So that you would take the gospel to the world. By your actions, your attitude, and your words. You were his prayer. You are his instrument of hope. Where he meets people where they at through his spirit changes transform, and you are the face, you are the hands and feet that they see. What do they see when they say division and disunity? They're no better off than I am. They're no
2: better off than my dysfunctional family.
0: so that the world may believe that you sent me. This is a remarkable statement. Jesus essentially gave the world permission to judge the validity of his ministry based on the unity of his people. Unity among God's people helps the world to believe that the Father has sent him. If you think I'm overreaching, we can talk later. It's in the text. they will be one so that they believe that you sent me. That they'll be one, verse 23, that you see me and that you love me and I love them. We can say the world is where it's at. The world has, uh, you know, the world's not godly. Of course the world's not godly. The world does not want anything to do with God. Oftentimes it's because of what the people of God have done as a barrier for those to come to Christ but I want to call us to something different. I want us to call us to something united. Because we see that unity sanctifies, but secondly, unity also proclaims. It proclaims. It proclaims the gospel. Jesus, in the, the, the same night, uh, in, in the upper room, said this in John 13, 34, and 35, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, All people will know that you're my disciples. By what? If you have love for one another. The idea that the, that the unity of God's people would display to the world that Jesus is truly, was truly sent from God the Father was so important that He repeats it in verse 21 and in verse 23. And then He expands the idea. Now praying that the unity among the generations of believers to come would also demonstrate to the world that Jesus loves His people and loves them after a pattern of God's love as the Father loves for the God the Son and have loved them, because He said... Uh, have loved them as you have loved me. That's the unity in one through love that God has called us to proclaim. Not only with our mouth,
2: but by our relationships, by who we are
0: as one in Christ. Today, what does your marriage say? To the world
2: around you? What does it proclaim?
0: That's for you. What does the marriage of the bride of Christ and the communion of his bride with each other? What does it proclaim? Locally and globally? I want to call us to a, a sense of unity, and I'm not saying let's let's you know let's hold hands, sing Kumbaya, and just hey anybody can believe what they want to believe. That's not what I'm saying.
2: But what I am saying is that we lead with love
0: for the purpose of one. For the purpose of one, that those who believe in me. That's what Jesus said in verse 20. He didn't qualify it. Those who believe in me unity proclaims can I tell you that right now our disunity is singing loud and clear
2: to the world around us
0: Jeff Christopherson uh, wrote a book and he said three barriers to the gospel I heard this sitting in a building over there on wherever the seminary was but uh, Curry Road thanks, nine years um Three barriers. Uh, 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 intelligence, right? I just don't get it. Um, emotional, I've been hurt. I've been hurt. And then volitional, just the will to, to do it. But the emotional, I've been hurt. I talk to people around the world. Because they come in the army. The army is a microcosm of, the, of America from all 53 states, territories. There's 53. There, I'm not, not a mistake. 53 states and territories. And, I, and foreign countries. We train foreign armies. And all the time, it is never, I don't really understand or believe who Jesus is. Or I don't, I, I don't think this is right. It is, I have been hurt. And we can't get around that because it's sinful people. But what we can get around is the things that we can control that cause this unity. And I don't know what those are for you. For other other people I've seen, it's gossip. It's backbiting. It's comparing. It's turf protecting.
2: It's lying about other churches. Yes, that happens. Doesn't happen here. I know you have a great, you have a good pastor who loves God. 17 years we've known each other. But God's heart for you and I is that
0: we are one. And I believe we should continue until Jesus comes back if he tarries that we have a strategy that sends missionaries to all unreached, unengaged people groups. I totally believe that. I'm ready to give my life for that. And I think that should be the strategy, but I also think that there could be an amazing movement of God among His people in a renewal and a revival as we come together as one. And that what Jesus prayed for, that the world may know that you sent me, and that I love them, and I, that they love me. and in turn. They'll tell people about Jesus, and they'll come to know that that Jesus who was sent and the love that He has for them. Unity sanctifies, unity proclaims, and lastly, unity glorifies. As the Father shared His glory with the Son, so Jesus gave His glory into the people. You see it in verse 22. um, And the glory that you have given me, I have given that, that you... The hold on. There we go. The glory that you have given me, I have given that you. Hold on, Sean. I need your glasses. Uh, They're right here. The glory that you have given me, I have given that you have sent me. There we go. There are so many ways that Jesus gives us glory to His people. The glory of His presence, the glory of His Word, the glory of His Spirit, the glory of His power, the glory of His leadership, the glory of His pers- uh, perserv- uh, preservation. It is important to remember that the glory of God, that the, the glory that God the Father gave to the Son was glory that often appeared humble, weak, and suffering. It was the glory that was ultimately Radical sacrifice. The glory of Jesus is almost the opposite of self-glory and the vain glory that we see.
2: If we do what
0: I tried for the first probably four years of starting a church called River of Life in this area, three years, six, eight, three, three years, If we try to apply, and I'm good with using some of the principles, if we try to run the church like a business where the pastor is a CEO and we try to uh, develop and depend on marketing campaigns for the success of the church, we will fail. You may have a lot of people, but one day you may look around and realize,
2: We don't have a church.
0: God's glory is a radical sacrifice. It it, it displayed in a radical sacrifice of, of him who was humble, weak, and suffering, not one who had it all together. And why? Why was the glory there? that
2: they may be one that I've given to them, that they may even
0: may be one, even as we are one. Where's the sense of God's where there is a sense of God's glory. Unity is so much easier where there's a sense of God's presence. Unity is so much easier. Lesser things that often divide us are set far in the background when there's a sense of God's glory at work. Jesus asked that the unity between himself and his people would be completed, even as he promised his disciples it would be, as in John 14. And so how did he end? He ended with the desire. He ended with the desire... that he longs for the consummation of all things, greatly desiring for his people to be gathered with him in heaven. Look at verse 24. Father, I I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me. What's he talking about? He desires for you to be with him. He already saw heaven. He already knew. He prayed as if he was in heaven. Why? Because he and his father are one. If you and your father are one, if you you have a good relationship with your earthly father, if you call him on the phone at any part of the day, you probably know where he's at.
2: If you and your father in heaven are one,
0: it is a sense of you are praying and you are at the very feet and the altar of God in heaven. And that's what Jesus is praying that they will be where I am. Greatly desire for his people to be gathered to him in heaven. Jesus longed for heaven's completion of all things. it's it's, It's what we long for. This is not our home. This is not our resting place. Spiritually, this is not what you were meant for. You were not meant for the, for the disunity. You were not meant for the sickness. You were not meant for death. You were meant for eternal life. And what is that eternal life? In heaven. And in fact, he said it in verse 3. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You were meant for that. You were not meant for division. You were not meant for disunity. You are not meant for what we see in the world around us. And that's why you feel so uneasy. It's not because you hate
2: people. It's because you were meant for something more. And today,
0: in a world that is as polarizing as ever, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine,
2: race relations are are tenuous and divided socioeconomic tensions as we're looking to just care for people who don't have health care what, what what do we do we should care about these things
0: and you know how we should respond not with partisan politics but with the love of the Prince of Peace in unity through his people. By the way, I got no time. I have no clue what time it is. So, hold on. Okay, there we go. I, I was looking for a clock. There's one over here. It's hidden. The poinsettia is hidden. Thank you, poinsettia. Okay. Praise God. I got where I am. And so Jesus said, I, I long for th- them to be where I am. Where is that? He was not in heaven, yet he spoke as if he was already, already there in a the sense that we are called to do the same. Understand that we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places even as we remain on earth. Why does that matter? Because our prayers are at the, at the they're in heavenly places. As you, as you pray and intercede, God is answering. He's answering. He's answering. We have to believe that. We have to believe that. He said, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Jesus said this in connection with the glory of God that, that God the Father gave to God the Son. The glory was given in the context of a love relationship and a love relationship extending into eternity past. This tells us that before anything was created, there was a love relationship Between the person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and the Trinity, and before the foundation of the world, God loved you.
2: And he loved your neighbor.
0: And he loved the person who's in the opposite ideology as you. And he loved the person on the other
2: side of the world who we have nothing in common with. He loved loved them and you know what he said that those who believe in him in all those categories are to be one I've traveled around the world and no matter where I'm at when I meet a believer
0: we have a kindred spirit and we know that we have the same Father, though we may not have be able
2: to speak the same language. We have a bond.
0: And you know what? I don't ask, uh, you know, people, the believers where I've been in Taiwan and other countries. I don't ask them, "Hey, could you, you, you do you have your doctrinal statement? Could you, can you lay that out for me? It's important." But you know what I said. You love Jesus, I love Jesus, and I love you. Why? Because there is a hurting world going on the highway to hell, and God is calling you to be one to save them. He does the saving, but he's called you to go to them. And so what do we do? The reason we don't have unity is because we don't love one another. The reason that people do not know that we are His disciples is because we don't love one another. Jesus taught that it was so important that He specifically prayed for love where He might have prayed for other things. He prayed that they would know that He loved you. And through that, that He loved the
2: world. Think about it for me. He could appear right now, improve who He is. He did it 2,000 years ago. He could do it. But He has sent, saved, sanctified you so that you'll proclaim His glory. You are
0: His plan. And how do we do that? In you. And if we take love, if we take love from joy, you're left with hedonism. If you take love from holiness, you're left with self righteousness. If you take love from truth, you have bitter orthodoxy. If you take love from mission, you have conquest. And if you take love from unity, you have tyranny. Friends, how can we be different? How can we be one as you are one in Christ? how can we be one as Christ is one with the Father and we are one in Him? How is God calling you right now to display that?
2: To a watching world. Because God's calling you to, whether
0: you know it or not. This doesn't mean bending on our beliefs or changing what we do. But what it does is that we reach the pinnacle of heaven and realize that what's on God's heart is unity, not us being right.
2: I want you to imagine real quick. Close your eyes.
0: Bow your head. I want you to imagine a world that sees a church that is united a body of Christ that is united, not just here in Guildland, but in the capital region, not just in the capital region, but around the country, not just around the country, but around the world. Imagine those who love one another as Christ has loved them and gave himself for them. Imagine the difference it would see through the lens of an unbeliever that when all they see in us is love, and grace,
2: and mercy. Imagine what God would do in the midst of those conditions. He's calling you.
0: Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, God the 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 very prayer that you had for us. God, a call to unity.
2: It's often uh, one that is uncomfortable, one that is uneasy. But God, it was your prayer
0: through your Son. And God, I pray that we'll respond. And many of us already are. There are many in this, in this room who are listening in other venues online or other, place, other times that are already doing this. But God, would you just open our
2: hearts even more to your will to unify us with others who believe in you? God, would you open our eyes and our hearts and our hands to embrace those who stand for you.
0: And God, would you so move among the people here at River of Life, God, that they there would be a, a renewal in our hearts and in our minds
2: and a love for others
0: that would extend to those in our neighborhood and those who are at work. And God, that they would see that through the unity that you're sanctifying us.
2: God, that through the unity that that you're proclaiming. And through unity, God, that you are being glorified. And one day we will be glorified. God, move in a mighty way as only you can.
0: and have your way in us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And all of God's people said,